This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Hey, what's up, people? This is Jamar Tisby, president of The Witness, a Black Christian collective and co-host of the podcast Pass the Mic. Thank you for listening. This week is a very special week. All of our weeks are really exciting and special, but I especially love it when we get new guests, new sort of semi-temporary co-hosts, whatever you want to call it. And today (laughs) we have the amazing, the incredible, the hilarious, the intelligent Adam Keeley. Oh, wow. That's dope, man. I like that. You gave me the old, you gave me the old Bulls 96 intro oh, with my last name. I like that, man. You know, I grew up around there. I was right there with the yeah. Bulls in the 90s. But yeah, man, we're so excited to have you. If folks listened to our, I don't know if we actually posted the Squadcast or was that exclusive yeah, but, to the Pass the Mic Live event? Yeah. It might have been, you know, uh, Bo always likes to keep some stuff in the vault. Uh-huh. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> He's sitting on that So one. only the people who attended our Pass the Mic event, live event in New York City, uh, may have heard you before you were on the squad cast with Elodie and Bo did a phenomenal job. And we've wanted to have you on the mic for a while now. So, Brother, for folks who don't know you, tell us about yourself. Oh, man. Uh, thanks for that. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i a comedian and a, a tour producer. Uh, you know, can follow me on Twitter at AOKeezy. Follow at your own risk. Shout out, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, yeah, comedian, tour producer from the great state of Florida uh, in Chicago. Just, uh, I guess I'm just trying to do comedy. And I think similar, just, you know, from my perspective as a, as a believer and then partner with other great people to create great events and things like that to just get their, get out their messages and get out their work. So that's, that's usually always what I'm trying to do. My, my sort of message, my sort of theme that I always tell myself is I like to create more space than I occupy. So I like to perform, but then I like to open up more space for other people to do their thing as well. Yo, how does a Christian do comedy, man? You yeah, don't, you don't. Most curse? most of them, most of them, not too well. <laughs> you, get, you get saved and you get uh, dry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know what, man? I think like at least my own experience and, and some other people that I have been connected to, uh, it it's just the lens, man. I I feel like you really have like sort of the the pastoral lens to to do it really well. You know what I mean? You 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 observe the world the same way as a pastor. Um, but then you just kind of are able to just sort of pick fun at, pick fun, pick fun at the nuances. I think a lot of times, um, Christians in comedy, they get caught up in, uh, I don't know. It's just, they kind of want to sound like a a Bible summer camp or something like that when it's just, (laughs) instead of just like, kind of like talking about the realities of the day to day of like walking through as a believer and what that looks like. And I, and I feel like when we deal with the real authentic corners, like everything that the witness does in the same way, it's just like a comedy version of that. And and that's what makes it work. You know, man, I love it. Was there a moment that you knew you were funny and like you could make people laugh and and maybe wanted to not necessarily take this on as a vocation, but like everybody tells a joke here and there. Everybody tries to be funny here and there. How did you know that like comedy was your thing? Yeah, I think that's, that's an interesting thing. I talked to my friends about, the earliest um, 
I think it started off just performing in general. I was young. I think this was like the 90s, and I had gotten this like red Michael Jackson jacket with all the zippers on it. Remember that joint that Mike had? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And um, I also had a guitar for Christmas. So like the guitar <laughs> with the piano thing. And um, like every Christmas and holidays, I would just be with my family. Um, and I was always just performing for them. Everybody would ask me to do something and they would record me and I'll sit around and clap and laugh. And then um, you get, I mean, you low-key get addicted to the family. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> just like everybody just laughing but yeah i just remember with that michael jackson jacket on performing michael jackson for my family uh all my aunts and uncles and my older cousins um yeah and then i and then we used to we used to roast a lot and so just being able to come out on top of those roast battles kind of let me know that i was cut out for it a little bit bro you with the keytar i'm picturing uh yeah, man. um <laughs> I'm picturing uh what's the one with Gru and uh minions Wait, uh, oh Despicable uh you- me three yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> the third Despicable Me, I think hey. that's the villain in there. <laughs> hey, I, was, I was nice. I was nice with it, man. I was nice <laughs> with, with it. Rat tail. All right, man. Well, you, you know, we could do a whole episode just kind of interviewing you and your take on comedy and culture and whatnot. But I figure we spend this episode kind of talking about events that are current as we record. Yeah. It has been an incredibly busy week, couple of weeks, um, as it has been since like 2016. It seems like there's way too much news to keep up with. But before we get into some of the political stuff that happened, uh, there was an incident. Well, it was is is a sad thing. This rapper named Extentation. Yeah, he, he was killed. Can you can you fill us right. in a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, he he was killed. Uh, he's a he's a guy from around from around me. I think he's from Deerfield Beach, which is in South Florida. Uh, he was a guy. He had a really troubled life. Uh, he had a really troubled life that ended in obviously his random act of violence where he was uh, robbed and and shot uh, down there in Florida. But the, I think the the bigger controversy outside of just um, the unfortunate passing is um, he was a very troubled guy. He had been in trouble for domestic abuse uh, against uh, his uh, girlfriend who was pregnant at the time, uh, physically assaulting her, and then also physically assaulting uh, just other other people in, in different situations. And I think the, the main conversation around uh, his passing was sort of like, how do we feel about people that may not, you know, they, they have, a, they have some bad tendencies, you know, like, how do we, how do we feel about them passing? What does it look like? Like, uh, you know, a lot of people were pretty upset with people for either just like honoring him and missing his music. And then other end was people just being completely callous and like, hey, this dude is an awful guy. He's beating up pregnant women. He's beating up, you know, uh, people from the LGBT community. You know, this is not necessarily something that we should be sad about, which which really raised some really interesting points, I thought, and and processing yeah and it should be noted i mean it was brutal i mean this dude was physical he was violent uh he was he was he had a court case ongoing um even even up to the moment that he was killed so it's it's not like little character flaws here and there this 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 brother was wreaking havoc um toward the people in his life and it was really really bad and so it yeah, like you're saying, it, it leads to questions about, well, how do you sort of remember him in life and in death, right? Like, he makes music that a lot of people really liked. So 
that fire being extinguished is sad in a sense. And then, of course, just yeah. being a human being, obviously, um, any uh, image bearer from a Christian point of view, it, you don't celebrate their death, no matter how bad they were. It's just like, but right. um, but I don't know. You know, do yeah. you, how do you talk about him, especially because a lot of people tried it out like he was trying to turn it around, donating to charity, doing some good things. So, I mean, just how do you like personally parse this? Yeah, I think it's definitely made me think of of, of a few things. And, and I would say I, would, I also sort of um, aggregated his uh, passing with like the, the passing of Anthony yeah. Bourdain, which is just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it just the two things that it made me think of is one, just like um, when, when we, you know, in the absence, in the absence of a relationship with the Lord, people will deify humanity. Right. And, and the problem with deifying humanity is that it's so finite, right? You look at a guy like Anthony Bourdain and he essentially lived the life that social media told us would make us happy. Right. He invested in people he traveled, he ate all the best food, you know what I mean? And he was really, and he wasn't like an elitist. He was out here and he was out here really like he wasn't appropriating and things of that nature. And the same thing um, with XXX, uh, he was, you know, a young guy who was speaking his truth and making his art and he was successful straight out the gate. He had no student <laughs> loans, you know what I mean? Like he was, you know, had the adoration of, of millions of people. So, you know, they, you know, like society tells us that this should be enough for us. This should be enough um, when really it isn't. And so it it really makes me happy that um, when it comes to things of that nature, especially, you know, going back to X and his passing, is that like the need for uh, the need for a, a, a judge who is separate of the way that we view humanity is ever. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. so clear. You know what I mean? we're sitting here debating about whether he deserves to be, you know, remembered or how, how do we take it? And I'm just like, man, I'm so glad that there is someone who is bigger and outside of all of this, who is incredibly gracious. And then also will just drop mm. the hammer at a moment's notice who, who is in charge of this? Because if it was left up to us, um, I mean, I mean, you see, like, this is what you see online and the way we're unpacking it, that's us at our best. And it was awful the way we were unpacking it. So it just really, it just really makes that, God's role in our yeah. life as judge is so clearly. I mean, I think really of important. the Old Testament, and so often um, it'll pronounce an, an, an epitaph on somebody's life, right? And and it doesn't matter like the things that we see as big and important. God's like, nah, that's that's not that's not how I do it. And so you know, as as a as a sort of an opposite example, King David, right, who commits adultery, murders the woman's husband, and but he repents and and when he dies he's still called a man after god's own heart right and that which is crazy yeah it's it's wild right so mm-hmm. but it it gets to the, to the question of how will you be remembered and i think for me it sort of presses the obligation and the responsibility to have what the bible calls a good name i think of proverbs 22 it says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and favor is better than silver or gold. And so the Bible makes it real clear, like to have a good name, a positive reputation, being trustworthy, a person of upstanding, upright character, that's more important than being rich, more important than being famous. And that's what lasts way longer than those kind of material things. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I, 
Yeah, that's crazy. Just how how will you be remembered at the end of that's the day? Right. And man, so, that's crazy. You know, peace to Triple X. Um, yeah, he was only twenty, I think. Twenty uh, years old, just man. A kid. I was yeah, just a kid. yeah. It's crazy. But then also, you know, you don't. I mean, you know, we're at a we're at a point in our time where it's just like, man, we can't. You know, uh, women women's bodies are not a part right. of the that's, process of becoming a mature man. That's the you know bigger I mean? issue like, right there. It's like, yeah, exactly. What, so much of what's popular in hip hop and rap today is just riddled mm. through with misogyny, misogynoir, patriarchy, horrible, horrible sort of depictions right. of women and. Yeah. I don't know what to do, man. I don't know. Uh, like, can can we stage a boycott big enough to impact this? Do we just cancel all these rappers who, which would be like every, right. almost every rapper, right? <laughs> all of them. Right? I mean, all the what's your view yeah. on that? Do you listen to it? Do you, is there an action plan? Is it just is what it is? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, like, uh, you know, referring back to uh, one of the things that Tyler says, like, you know, I, I'm not like everybody else. I wasn't always saved, so I got a little bit of a testimony in me. You know what I mean? Uh, being from the South, we have a certain brand of hip hop that is notoriously uh, a little bit ratchet, I, I would say. Uh, so I, I grew up just completely desensitized to it. Um, just, I mean, it was just like, oh, it's, it's just music. It's just hip hop. You know what I mean? It's not like there's sort of a, 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 a shallowness or vapidness to it. It doesn't mean what it's actually saying. They're empty words. Um, but then it gets to a point where you're just like, you know, maybe we should start being like, maybe we should start being accountable. And I look at it as a, as a performer and a creator. Like there's a thing uh, in comedy where they always tell you um, to, to, when you write a joke, you can talk about anything. If you talk about it at the top huh. of your intelligence, right? It, it, essentially, essentially any joke, that um doesn't come across well is probably a joke that wasn't delivered intelligently right um and and that is what we balk at that's when it's a little rough and so i think in a weird way and and this is not to take away from the fact that we need to protect women because we need to protect women at all costs but i think in a weird way we just need to push people to be better artists you know what i mean it's just like what are you really what just you know push yourself to talk you know don't settle for the low-hanging fruit of of um of, of appealing to like this like right. crassness in us you know what i mean like this, i mean hip-hop is beautiful music it's powerful political music just push yourself to have great content push yourself to to make you know the greatest hip-hop the greatest the funny thing about rap and hip-hop is the greatest songs of all <laughs> don't really I'm include that Tupac's stuff you know what i'm saying so yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, you you know, you talk about, you know, you talk about, you know, I choose you, right? But like Outkast and it's like, it's the exact opposite. You know what I mean? We love that song. And it is a song is about a, a man, you know, stepping into the calling of being, you know, monogamous and, and, and being set apart for one woman. So I think we, something inside of us, even though like, you know, there's the like McDonald's fast food effect of, of the sort of rawness of songs it's just more beautiful for people to just kind of be on that home cooked <laughs> you know what i mean right, whatever right, right. chef level with their work so i just think that's what it is it's just like yo you know don't you know pull your money away from it because money is the ultimate thing you know what i mean with record labels if people aren't paying to hear it they're gonna tell you to stop talking about it right. um and just push people to be better creators you know what i mean that's <laughs> at the end of the day you trying to say be best 
But just yeah. to complicate it a bit, like I was a middle school teacher and principal, right? And so you've yeah. got these 12, 13, 14 year old boys coming in, tr- trying to learn to be grown and whatnot. And there are two things to them that I noticed. There was a pattern. This just could be my school and my students or whatever. But the pattern was to be a man, you had to uh-huh. be tough, which meant get in a fight if you had to, like physically sure. tough, you know. And then, right. and then the other way you show you're a man was you sleep with women. You get a lot of women. Right, right, right. right like right. Yeah. sixth, seventh, eighth graders, right? And uh-huh. there's a whole culture and a, and, a, and a context around it that says, like, there's for a lot of my students, there was no alternative narrative. You know what I'm saying? There were the, nothing close to them to, to where it was coming from somebody where they would trust it or listen to it. And I don't want to paint with too broad a brush or talk about, you know, pathologies of poverty or anything like that. I'm just saying as a, as a, as a school administrator trying to get students to respect one another, when you drill down to it, that's how boys looked at it. And And then of course, females too had their own sort of perceptions of womanhood that had a lot to do with sexuality and whatnot. So, I mean, I like, it's a much bigger, like, like on, on one level, definitely let's, let's put our money where our mouth is. Um, but at the same time, we, we, we've got a whole, and that's not just, you know, students or middle schoolers, this is adults. I mean, think of the Me Too movement, think of how many folks are, are getting booted out of office for, for sexual improprieties and, and harassment and assault, all of this stuff. So there's a there's like an epidemic problem and in, in music, you know, it's always a question of um, you know, does 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 art influence the culture? Does culture influence art? I don't know, but definitely what we're seeing, I think, with music and rapping and hip hop as far as their views of women is coming out of a whole culture that has completely messed it up in terms of the image of God in yeah. females. Yeah, man. It, 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 yeah, you're right. I mean, there's like chipping away at it and then there's like unrooting and unearthing the whole thing. You know what I mean? Just like throw the whole thing away. You know what I mean? And like restart it. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely hints on that idea of just like, you know, um, regrounding it, especially like, I mean, and God is so amazing at that, man. Like just, you know, just, making you clean and and new in spite of, you know what I mean? And I don't think, I don't think that's just an individualistic thing. I think if we collectively move in that direction that we can have just a rewiring of the way that we process that, you know what I mean? Cause it's not like, I remember being in high school and feeling and feeling like I was lame because I, I wasn't necessarily trying to get at a whole bunch of girls, you know, like, you know. like something is wrong with me or I'm whack. And it's just like, I wasn't whack. Like I was the realest one of all, <laughs> you know what I mean? Ooh. Like, but, <laughs> you know what I mean? But you know, if only you knew that. Right. Exactly. right. <laughs> you, yeah. Um, yeah, man, that's a word. Like this is a way bigger conversation and yeah. whatnot. And so, you know, apologies. We didn't do, if we didn't do the topic justice, but we did just want to talk about extentation uh-huh. and, and his passing and, and what all that meant and the bigger issues attached to it. But there's been some other stuff going on too. Yeah. Uh, kind of funny, kind of sad. One of those things where you don't know whether to laugh or cry. I believe it was in San Francisco, uh, a white woman <laughs> called the police on an eighteen or an eight-year-old uh, black girl who was selling bottled water right. apparently without a permit. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. <laughs> so um, that became a hashtag and a meme. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
the hashtag was permit patty. permit patty and it made a whole bunch of memes so like why is this in the news even hey you know what it's in the news because it's about time it should be in the news right you know oh. <laughs> it's about time it's look they're you know we're at a point uh in the dealings with like race race in america where we're we're, we're talking about High-level stuff, and then we're talking about the really nitty-gritty nuances, you know, when you talk about microaggressions mm. and stuff like that. So I'm just like, you know, I you know, I think I think there's some people that are uh, sort of paying the price for the brunt, like, for generations of whatever, you know, like this woman is, you know, losing her company slowly and losing, like, a lot of her clients and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, we're talking about that rewiring thing, you know, that, like, you know, like... Uh, black bodies are not at the expense of, of white comfort. You know what I mean? And it's just like, that's got to go. You know what I mean? That idea that like, because I, I saw that uh, some some uh, companies have gotten in contact with her or some articles or news agencies have gotten in contact with her. And she was like, well, you know, like, it's just that like they were they were out there shouting so loudly and I was working with our window open. And it, it, I was working with my window open and it was disturbing me. And it's just like, the fact that you escalated something because you were, you know what I mean? Because it was just a little annoying yeah, outside of your right. window is ludicrous. You like, know what I mean? Escalated it to calling the cops. Right. And, as if we don't know, like encounters with the police for people right. of color are very tense affairs. Yeah. No matter right. what the issue is. Right. Yeah. But, but folks are so quick to pick up the phone and get yeah. like law enforcement involved. And yeah. by the way, <laughs> You know what her business was or is? What is it? She sells. Oh yeah, yeah. She sells like a medical grade marijuana things, right, or something like that for like pets. Oh my gosh, that's such yeah. a that's craziness. It's wild. <laughs> like like that's crazy. The privilege, you know, <laughs> yeah, sure. like she's doing something that yeah. you know she's dealing with drugs right. that for a lot of people of color, yeah, who hold it or sell it means mm. the end of their civil rights, right? right they get right, locked right. up, they mm. get that F for felony on on forever, right? Yeah, yeah. And she's just totally cool with calling the cops on a little girl on right. a hot day trying to make a dollar right so exactly water because right. she was uncomfortable she was in her house she had her window open she had her perfect bubble world set up and how dare anyone else's uh practice of their own freedom somehow infringe upon that you know what i mean and, and this is like a, a pattern lately because there yeah. was another woman uh who who called the police on black picnickers because sure. they were too loud right yeah sure uh, what, what was what was her hashtag? It was a it was a barbecue Becky or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something, yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy, man. You, you know, I really feel like I feel like I feel like Black Joy is a rebellious act, man. man. I feel like it's it. I feel like it's rebe- I remember I remember one time when I was younger. It was kind of one of the first times I I, I was like fifteen years old and I was a a bagger at Publix grocery store is the greatest grocery store in the world. Uh, you know, just uh, side okay. note. <laughs> nobody's giving me any money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, but, uh, I was, and I remember I was, um, my friend was a cashier and we were just having a good time. We were completely fulfilling the role of our job 100%, but we're just, you know, teenagers laughing, talking to each other, but not disruptive, not in a way that was out of protocol. 
And there was an older woman, and I can just see as she got closer, she was just seethingly frustrated with the fact that she was not the center of our world in that moment. You know what I mean? Wow. That she was not included. You know what I mean? That we would dare have fun and, and live a life that was not centered upon like how she felt in that moment. And it, it just really goes to show you that like, man, uh, 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 black people being happy is, it is, it is a big, it is a big rebellion against the system that we're born into just being happy. Uh, people, yeah. Yes. I love that phrase. Black joy is rebellion. We about to put that on some uh, <laughs> merch. You might see it at the next live event. Um, but for real, man, that's why like when we do the five cultural artifacts thing where we just kind of run down sort of what's giving us joy or what, what what's uh-huh. on our mind. So often for me, it's comedy. Like for yeah. real, like that's sure. life giving. And then like just to laugh in these times, like for a lot of people just to laugh is an act of rebellion, but especially with black people just existing, like our mere Uh existence is offensive to some people such that you can't sell water. You can't have a picnic. You can't go into Starbucks. You can't, there was a, there was a black doctor who had the cops called on her um, Uh and and the dude blocked her driveway. So you can't even go back to your own home. Being black, right? right? So, right. so in the midst of all of that, the ability to laugh and find joy and and be happy in the most mundane kind of things, you know, hanging out uh-huh. with your partners or or watching a movie or making art, whatever it is, sure. it is in a white supremacist society, black joy is an act of rebellion. I totally, totally feel you on that. Yeah, yeah. But um, but you know what? You know, I, I heard that girl came up on some Disney tickets, and <laughs> she she uh, so. But you know, it, it is it's, it's a bit ridiculous to be on the news, especially in the times that we have, because there are such heavy and important things going on. But you know, if I I think the idea that I you know you don't have this private service, you know what I mean? They're not customer service. The police officers, right? Um, Come on. You know what I mean? The idea that that is slowly being stripped away from people. Um, I'm I'm all for that. Right. <laughs> I'm all for that. And and it gets. I mean the 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 larger issue is a lot of people still think, feel, and behave as if the United States is a white person's country. Sure. And I know in a lot of ways it is unjustly <laughs> so, right? Sure. The yeah. political power, economic power, social and cultural power to an extent, right? All, all sort of yeah. centers whiteness. But uh-huh. that's not that's not the way it should be. Um sure. but when people believe that and act on it, you get them calling mm-hmm. the cops on an 8-year-old selling water, right? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And definitely. and then you get all this stuff <laughs> with immigration. Um yeah. that's been a hot topic lately. Uh Man. sort of sort of related like so I don't know if this bugged you, but it, 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 it with the cascade of news, I don't know if it's gotten the attention that it probably should, but the United States uh-huh. pulled out of the the United Nations Human Rights Council. Did you see about that? Yeah, I did see that. And it's just like at a base level, I'm not I'm not like a think tank political person. I mean, I, I am. You every first of all, everybody's political. <laughs> okay. I don't like when people say not being political is making a yes. choice. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, you know what I mean? So when I, I all I mean is like I can't like I don't have like off the cuff of my head, I can't give you all of everybody in the House of Representatives, is what I'm saying. <laughs> but um you know, I did make some calls this week, but uh, that's another story. Um, but, you know, I think like 
the I don't you know I don't know what the end game is. Like I said, I wish I was more of a political minded person so I can say like, oh, like when I watch a football game, I know when they make a decision to pull a player, what their end game mm-hmm. is. Um, so I feel like that this is a part of a bigger play that's crazy. You know what I mean? To say like, hey, we're not going to be a part of the Human Rights Council of the United Nations. Um, the implications and the lack of accountability, right. the lack of transparency. Um, I don't know what that, I don't know what that opens up. I don't know what that opens up, but I know that it's not going to be good. You know what I mean? I know that it's not going to be something that benefits uh, the people who, who uh, are the least of these. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I try to keep up. I I don't get in depth. I just try to keep up with the headlines. And from what I understand, these are sort of ongoing issues. Number one, a lot of people, even before this administration, saw issues with the Human Rights Council and sort of the way it operated. But um, definitely, under the Obama administration, they got into it and said, you know, well, we can make a bigger impact being part of it than not being part of it. And so that was part of the rationale. Sure. And then with this administration, they ostensibly withdrew because of the quote unquote anti-Israel slant of the Human Rights Council. Which, which itself okay. is politically loaded because, as most people know, um, the president declared that he was going to move the U.S. embassy from Tel Aviv, a relatively neutral site, to Jerusalem, which is the contested capital, right? That's what the Palestinians are, are fighting over, a right to the capital, is, and Israelis are saying, no, it's our capital. So it's a huge politically charged event. When it happened just a couple of months ago, it was a big deal. But th- this administration leveled those concerns a year ago. So now the timing's real interesting because um, uh, Nikki Haley pulled out as, as soon as this border crisis, this immigration crisis of separating families uh, sort of hit the fan uh-huh. and even internationally and with the UN people are criticizing it. So it's right in the midst of that criticism that the U S says, okay, we're not going to yeah. be part of this human rights council, which is charged with looking for violations of human rights across the globe. Um, so don't shine a light on us. And like you said, it's right. that isolation. So, I mean, uh-huh. I'm thinking of, uh, the Washington Post catchphrase, democracy dies in darkness. And just the idea that yeah. if we if we are not part of some entity uh, that has uh, that is beyond our own borders checking us when we violate human rights, then what's to stop us? Yeah, definitely. I, it, 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 it remind, oddly enough, it reminds me of the Avengers um, uh, <laughs> with the Sokovia Accords for the for. Uh, I love this yeah, I know. Shout out, my uh, <laughs> this is your, this is your content here. Uh, but yeah, you know, just like that idea of like being um, accountable to a larger a larger body. And the thing is, is like you know, um, in in spite of what we might see uh, coming up next month in July fourth coming around the corner, you know, the, uh, the U S is not the Avengers. <laughs> we're, not yeah, Captain, yeah. we're not Captain America. We're much, you know what I mean? We're much more, uh, flawed and, and, and fallen. It might be like a winter soldier when he's <laughs> <Yeah>. under- <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> we, yeah. When he does that, one good thing mixed with eight, uh, yeah. Eight, yeah. just like, Oh, sorry. I'm trapped under Russia. Um, now we got to, I know. It's, post. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, it, it, it it is crazy, and then how how quickly it was buried. Uh, it, yeah, it's also crazy. It, it, it hasn't really been a keynote news story. 
Well, so it, part of what buried it was um, sort of the last topic I want to tackle, which has been really interesting because of the questions it has raised sort of about civil rights and, and universal kind of human decency. So several staffers for the current administration have been heckled or even driven out of restaurants where they were eating. Um, right. Stephen Miller, one of the, the staffer, he's only 32, but he was like the architect of the family separation policy um, uh-huh. and, and, and was sort of in the president's ear about that. He got heckled at a restaurant. And then uh, Kirsten Nielsen, um, she got uh, actually she left the restaurant. She was a Mexican restaurant, ironically. Um, yeah, exactly. And and she got heckled to the point where, where she just left. And then most recently and kind of most controversially, Sarah Sanders, uh, the White House correspondent, she was asked to leave by the owner oh. of a particular restaurant and sure. and then tweeted about it from her official press secretary account, the name of the restaurant um, might've been the the owner's name too. Uh, just specific right. details from this, this thing. So, I mean, why are people up in arms about this stuff? I think it's, in, it's, it's interesting. And I, I sort of have a duality in how I feel about this particular topic. I do believe that, you know, two years ago, uh, just over two years ago, when everything was happening in the transition um, in the presidency, I was like, one thing that's going to happen is that this country is going to be like more political, politically minded uh, than it ever has been. I one yeah. thing I knew is that I was like, if 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 Hillary gets elected, we're just going to go back to our regular lives. And I was like, but if Donald Trump gets elected, we will all be doing things and paying attention to things and knowing things um, that we have not done before in a political mindset. Um, and I think with this with this presidency, um, something that we haven't seen in a long time is that the American people are saying you don't get to do certain things and then just go home and act like you didn't do what you just did. Mm. You know Mm. what I mean? Um, There's an accountability that extends past your nine to five, quote unquote. Uh, It's, it's a bigger, we're we're playing with bigger stakes here and and you don't just get to separate yourself from network in that way. You don't get to, you know, do all the things you do and then clock out and and then come and come into my restaurant and and have a pot pie. Like that's not going to work. You know what I mean? Uh, and so in that way, like I believe in, I believe in people, you know, being held accountable for their actions. We talked about that kind of earlier. We hit on it with, with XXX and, and, and who he was and how he was living and how people aren't, you know, not separating the two things because it would be a fabrication. So it's just like, uh, you know, you can't have these volatile policies and these volatile practices in office and then think that people are just going to be like, yeah, for sure. Like you can come on our basketball court at the Y, you know what I mean? Like you don't get to do that. And so I, I'm all for that accountability, but I think there becomes a line where I don't, and I don't know what that line is. Like what's the line of allowing a person to just live their lives, you know, which everybody has a right to. Where we say like you don't you you don't you know what I mean like you have to order in under a fake name and that's it you know what I mean like that's the only way you get to do it because of how you're living your life in public so I feel kind of broken up over it but I I don't I am glad that people are expressing and holding people accountable and making them feel the weight of their decisions I'm I'm all for that I just want to throw in this quote from Stephanie Wilkinson who is the owner of the restaurant where Sarah Sanders was 
was asked to leave. And she said, this feels like the moment in our democracy when people have to make uncomfortable actions and decisions to uphold their morals. Yeah. I just, I just thought that was really profound. Right. Like, and, right. and, and also context matters. It wasn't in, in, in Sanders case, it wasn't just her being there. Right. Oh. It was, it was the fact that several of this restaurant staff were LGBT and uh-huh. they were specifically concerned about the president's decision or or push not to allow transgender folks uh, to serve uh-huh. in the military. And then, right. some, of course, backed that up, supported that, all that stuff. So it was sort of specific to this issue on top of the family separation policy that had been going on. And it wasn't just, oh, you're Republican or you work for somebody I don't like. There were specific policies that sort of impacted her staff specifically, and also the broader immigration issue that had everybody, even conservative Christians who are normally in the president's corner without (laughs) sort of qualification, even had them up in arms. So I just wanted to throw that out there. But I'm with you. Um, It's not illegal. And I think part part of the thing that people are conflating is like a lot of people are saying, okay, well, this is similar to like Jim Crow and tossing black people out or... um, uh, the the wedding cake and and not serving homosexuals for for certain things. The difference is those acts of discrimination are against whole classes of people, uh-huh. um, right. and 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 it's about more sort of identity, right? Like, yeah. Uh, but these instances with officials from uh, the, the the current administration. They've deliberately chosen to work for this man and uh-huh. to support policies that across the political spectrum are seen as egregious. And so right. in those cases, right, like the Volitional Act and the fact that it's it's personal, it's not every Republican, it's not every right. conservative, it's uh-huh. the White House press secretary, right? It's, right, it's right, people right, right, who right. specific, high-profile elected positions, many of them, and are advocating for values and policies that that contradict so much of not not even just anybody's personal morals, but of what we thought America stood for, however imperfectly. So, I mean, I just wanted to throw that out there to clarify, because a lot of conversation, people talking past each other. Definitely. Yeah, and I've seen those happen, even happening on dating. People are saying they're they're having um, oh, a hard time yeah. dating. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, one of my all right. So one issue is Auntie Maxine, Maxine Waters' representative. She actually is calling for people to essentially protest Trump administration officials when they're out and about, and, and you know, eating at a restaurant, shopping, or whatever. What do you think of that? Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, what can you say about Auntie Maxine? Yeah, it's t- it's tough. It's tough because, like I said, like people have a, they, you know, people have a right to kind of like move around a little bit. You know what I mean? Uh, and live their lives. But I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like, I feel like, you know, do you? I just, I just don't think you get to do some of these things. And I think when when you, I mean, protests have to be uncomfortable. That's the nature of a protest. It's only effective if it makes you feel uncomfortable because through the uncomfort is how you, is how you face the reality of whatever it is that people are 
protesting. You know what I mean? If we, if it was all easy peasy, no one would ever be forced to make a decision. So I think, you know, pressure bust pipes. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, to get your point across, to get your point across, you can do that. I just don't want to ultimately, and I I mean, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, please, but I just don't, I I don't know at what point, you know, you're sort of like infringing on someone's ability to be just, you know what I mean? Like live their lives and, you know, people have kids and families and I don't, they deserve to. I think that's what people are protesting, right? Like some of them, some of the protesters are like, look, if, if kids and parents on the border can't sleep in peace, you're not going to sit up here and eat in peace because of some unjust right. policy. Right? <laughs> right. Right. And you have, you have, you have a lot yeah, of power and a lot of live your uh, life, yeah, drive in your SUV, go to your nice soft bed. And meanwhile, the policies that you are actively yeah. enforcing, sometimes lying flat out about right. are ruining people's lives, not just Super. for the present moment, but for years to come, right? Like yeah. the trauma of family separation. So yeah. I think that's part of it. Also, yeah. like people got to realize this didn't happen November 2016. This is, you know, almost two right. years of these kinds of policies and going through the normal channels politically, you know, activism wise, and it just not having an impact. So I just... I don't, right. I don't, I don't quite know where I land on whether we should be doing these kinds of things, like, like, like heckling people in restaurants. But I do know that it reminds me of uprisings in urban, ur, the urban core, right? Like people want to get all mad at yeah, folks definitely. for getting out in the streets. What they don't realize is that's not the first thing people do. That's the last thing people do. Right. Yeah. You know, they've that's tried right. everything yeah, you're right. else. They've yeah, done it your way. way. They've taken the slow approach. They've compromised. They've gone through the normal legal challenge channels and nothing has gotten through. And so that's what I think. And and one of the things that that just looking at social media and reading, you know, op ed pieces, I'm just like, people really think this is about blue and red is not. It's so much bigger than Democrat or Republican. Because guess what? We've had Republican presidents before. We've had Democrat presidents before. But this kind of thing in our recent history is is new. You know, why is that? That's because this particular administration, this particular president and what is bringing out, what it is enabling. I'm not saying it created stuff that it wasn't already there, but it's paved the way for this level of bigotry and callousness that people are just fed up. Right. Definitely. Definitely. They're like, what are you supposed to do? Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I, 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 I agree. It's way bigger. It's way bigger than partisan politics and it's way, uh, it's very frustrating. I know you're very active, um, on Twitter and I'm, I'm very active on social media as well. And I, I, especially when it came to this issue, um, I, I, I sort of feel like we've reached the peak of, or, or I hope that we soon reach the peak of, these um, sort of diversionary tactics and our arguments and things like that. I don't think people are being honest. And, and, and so like, what I mean is like, you know, like you were talking about what administration um, enacted these policies and da, 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 da. Um, And there's truth to that stuff. And there is a forum for that. But at the end of the day, like, you know, um, who made a person hungry is, is not more important than that that person is hungry right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> you know, so, so it's like, that's kind of like where my mind is at with a lot of stuff. You know, you hear these people, you know, that are just like, uh, well, you know, uh, you know, there were slaves in Africa. Did you know? You know what I mean? And it's just like, 
okay, like, you know, let's let's go down a path where this uh where that statement is not diversionary and it's completely uh honest and da, da, da. what does that have to do with what happened in America? How does that change anything? You know what I mean? Because yeah. it doesn't. It's a it's a yeah, exactly. It, it it doesn't change anything. You're just you're deflecting from what the matter is. So I, I really wish I think we could get so much more done if we would stop with that. Like there's a forum for that stuff. And, and that's important. And I think um, that forum is in the creation of our textbooks and the way we're educated and things like that. Like we need to know what is right and what is what is true and timely. You know what I mean? But in the come when it comes to the immediacy, the immediacy of the impact of dealing with um the hurts of people, especially people in the most vulnerable situations. It's just like, we don't have time for that. You know what I mean? Like, we don't have time for that. Like the hour that we just spent, you know, you know, going back through the scrolls is an hour that, you know, a a child is, 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 is suffering a massive emotional and mental trauma that is almost undoable because of how old they are. You know what I mean? Like, we got to work on that, and then immediately, yeah, immediately. yeah, it's like, yeah exactly. Even though yeah. they signed the executive order, we got to get these families back together immediately, as soon as possible. Sure, yeah, and I think that's part yeah. of you know the urgency behind people. I mean, I know, I know, I would be extremely uncomfortable as I was a business owner, and one of these top officials came in, right? Like these people are recognizable uh-huh. on the street because they're so prominent in the administration. So it's not just like, you know, some intern who, who, who happens to work in this administration. These are people who are actively right. promote. They're the spokespeople for these egregious policies. I know I would be, I might, I might ask them to leave. I mean, I I know if I was a customer, yeah. I surely would leave, sure. but uh, yeah, I don't, sure. I don't think it's probably, I don't think people go handle it right. If we've got politicians on one side calling for, protests at you know private establish right. establishments of politicians on the other side i just, I just don't think people are gonna handle that responsibly yeah and yeah. there's gonna be a reaction <laughs> right like right yeah that's a, that's a very good word yeah and then you know the whole the whole economic system is basically becomes like a political you know yeah. what i mean i don't uh, think just that's like, necessarily you know, just, gonna happen because green is you uh, know, bigger than blue and red <laughs> um but I do think that there are going to be some folks on the other side who try to come to the defense of these officials, and I don't really want to see what they're going to do. Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's no reason there's no reason that uh, you know that Sarah Sanders published the name right, of the owner right. in that restaurant, but to but to try right, to punish them, right. you know what I mean? That's, that was that, the that gets reason. scary. Uh, that gets really scary, and I just think it does. I mean, as Christians, right? Like. What's really tricky about this political moment is it can and has divided the church um, in so many ways, like on a micro level within congregations. uh, I mean, I've experienced this definitely. And it's not so much, oh, you support this president or whatever. It's just that I feel like my concerns as a minority have fallen on deaf ears within the household of God. Yeah, definitely. where you're supposed to yeah, for sure. listen and empathize. And, and, and when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. One suffers, we all suffer. And that's just being like totally right. disregarded. Um, and I imagine people on the other side, you know, feel like, well, I have a right to my preferences and all that stuff. But I just think, sure. I mean, people are being hurt. Like power is being preserved in yeah. our, from one point of view. But then on the other side, yeah. that power is harming people who have less power 
And that's what Definitely. I'm looking at. Yeah, like, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. And I, I it's tough because in the church, I think one of the big problems is, is that we we use we're using words, but people are interpreting interpreting them differently between each other. You know what I mean? And so it's just like, you know, there is and I mean there's only one Jesus, but there's multiple right, Jesus right, right. in the US church. You know, there's there's <laughs> Chad Jesus. Uh Chad Jesus Chad Jesus is the Jesus of Permit Patty and a hundred thousand dollars a year and white picket fence and I got saved and nothing bad ever happens to my family and we all got college degrees and um, you know, Chad Jesus, that's the Jesus of that that thing. And there's another Jesus who, you know, is the one who, you know, who's the one who was forced to, you know, be born in a manger and the one who is of a certain ilk and who was there uh for the least of these and was in the in the broken and, and dark places and um and that those Jesuses can't be reconciled against each other. Um, and we, we have a country of people who have only learned one way. They haven't learned that, like, they've learned that you go on a mission trip, you fly across the world and, and you take photos, you know what I mean? And you like do a little digging for a week, uh, you get all your shots, you do your digging and then you come back. And then there's people who realize that, that like, you know, that's all around us all the time. You know what I mean? The people who need the water of life, the people who need, you know, new systems to be educated and have access to resources and all that stuff. And, um, until we sort of be, until we delineate between the two and then, and get to the pure, uh, true, true God and what he says, we're speaking to each other and we're yeah. saying words, but they have different meanings to each other. They were, I, I, I see that all the time. I'm like, how can we talk about, you know, cause I'm like, yo, grace, we're talking about grace. And they're like, yeah, like, you know what I mean? It's just like, you, we're not even interpreting these things the same, you know what I mean? And that, we, how can we even begin to effectively communicate with each other when people aren't even processing the words it, the right it, way? It's, like, it's, 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 we need to get back yeah. to everybody likes Jesus, the savior, but we need to get back to the suffering savior. Yeah. Um, in the American church, right. Particularly right. in terms of like white evangelicalism doesn't know how to suffer well. Um, the black church has a lot of experience with that. No. These migrants who are coming, many of them are Christian and they have a lot of experience with that. They're fleeing persecution right. in many cases. And even if not outright violent persecution, the sort of the level of economic disenfranchisement sure. they have is enough to say, let me pick up everything mm. and move away from everything I know and go toward a land that is risky for me even to get into, let alone succeed in. So that's some real economic hardship. Um, but so much of the church in America is the church triumphant rather than the church on the way, right? Like we want to be the church in the promised land with all of our enemies cast out and just stay there, plant it and defend our borders. But in reality, we're still a church that's wandering in the wilderness. We're still a church that's on the way and our final home isn't America. <laughs> Thank God, right? Like that would be a really low <laughs> goal. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sort of, uh, yeah. And reward um, compared yeah. to heaven. So our goal yeah. is heaven. Here's Ohio. You made it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no shade on Ohio, but it's not heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, man, no easy answers to any of this, but hopefully just like if we could talk <laughs> even on the mic. For sure. I, I do want to toss an aside in really quick if I may. Yeah, go for it. Um, 
just being from South Florida, the experience with immigration is a lot more ground level. It's, it's so much, you know, you see it, you touch it in the South in a way that you don't in a lot of other places. Um, and the idea that the people who come from other countries are not the best, quote unquote. First of all, it's crazy because, you know, going back to deifying humanity, like who are we to be like, oh, we only want other places, other places best of the best is who deserves to be here. That's ridiculous because America isn't full of the best of the best people. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, you can just run to like any 7-Eleven anywhere and uh, you'll figure it out really quick. But the idea that a person who is being persecuted, right, would have the because they're people, they're they're people as well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so we know what it's like to be a person it, it, because we are also that the fact that they would have the the strength to leave a place where everyone they know is right to go to a place where they may not know the language so you can't effectively communicate they have no means of supporting themselves you know what i mean um they have no idea what the future holds or what the journey will entail and they're still willing to do that because they believe that through that journey they may come out on the other side okay makes them the best Mm, you know what i'm saying bro people don't People don't leave their hometown in America. They won't move to, you know what I'm saying? They scared to leave their crib to go to another American city. You know what I mean? So it's just like, don't tell me that a person who is willing to go under, over, through, swim, you know what I mean? Whatever. Don't tell me that that person isn't cut from a different cloth because they are. You know what I mean? I, I talk about that with my friends a lot. It's just like when when it comes to movies, we watch, like, say, The Walking Dead, right? We watch this show. And we all love to believe that we're the main characters. But really, most of us are just the zombies that populate that area. You know what I'm saying? We all can't be the main characters. That's not how stories work. You know what I mean? Um, And so the people who have the juice to make these trips, they are the main characters. You know what I'm saying? Like, they didn't... They're not, they're not lazy. They're not whatever. They did whatever they, they had to do. And that in and of itself should be enough to just be like, you know, let's give this dude a look, man. You know what I mean? Like let's made give it a, like yeah, that what? In yeah, exactly. right. <laughs> yeah. So that's just like a little aside that I get like a little wound up about. Man, yeah. no doubt. I mean, these are real people. And yeah. I don't think any of us who haven't been through it really realize the level of sacrifice, determination, risk that it takes. So Let's at least treat them humanely. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Keep the babies with the with the parents. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so clearly solidified that we have to have you on again. We've loved having you on uh, the Pass the Mic live tour. So if you come, we're going to be in, in Atlanta for our next yeah. one. Go to uh, com and you can yes. order your tickets and, and see where we're going to end up next. We've got two or three more stops this year so yeah. we would love to see you out there and if you do come you can meet adam in person so maybe this is the first time you've heard him but it definitely won't be the last appreciate you joining us brother thanks for having me man absolutely we'll see you soon on the next pass the mic This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast, two clergy of different traditions. 
Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.